Hi, this is Steve Poor, and you're listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. As the freelance economy has grown over the past several years, more and more legal organizations and businesses have started seeking legal talent for fractional work in order to navigate budget restraints. Today's guest, Matt Margolis, frequently discusses these developments as head of community at Law Trades, a legal tech company that provides flexible, on-demand legal talent to in-house legal departments and law firms. Matt entered the legal industry as an attorney in private practice, but soon grew frustrated with the pressures of perfectionism in the practice. He started sharing his thoughts and stories on LinkedIn and developed a sizable following among legal professionals, eventually leading to the opportunity with Law Trades. In his role, he leads the company's efforts in marketing, business development, and community building. Matt is also the co-host of the Not Billable podcast and writes a newsletter called Point Two, where he explores current events and hot topics in law. In today's conversation, Matt talks to us about perfectionism among lawyers, his thoughts on the future of layoffs in the legal industry, and the challenges of pioneering a new way of sourcing legal talent. Thanks to Matt for taking the time, and thanks to each of you for listening. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for making some time for us. Excited. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. You are head of community at Law Trades. Let's break that into two parts. First, what is head of community? I think that's fair. I get that question. Um, I get that question probably more from my parents. They're like, hey, what is that again? So <laughs> I want to well, tell people. I, I'm old enough to be one of your parents, I suspect. <laughs> that's fair. So head of community, that is a really good question. It is this amorphous role that's uh, effectively, I guess, head of marketing, head of biz dev, and then maybe head of, I think using like tech terms, like head of client success. So it's this hodgepodge position that turns into, we have all these folks that are in our community, whether talent, when I say talent, I mean like lawyers, paralegals, legal operations uh, people, or um, companies where there's these in-house attorneys or law firms. And it's making sure that all of those folks know what law trades is and that they're seeing a benefit from law trades. So um, I think it's the best way to put it. I'm hopeful that was the best way to put it. <laughs> I got no basis to argue with you, Matt. So it sounds good. It sounds good to me. How did you come by becoming head of community? You're, you're a lawyer by trade and you practice for a number of firms. Yeah. It's, um, do we have time for the story? It's, it's a bit of a spiel, but yeah, no, absolutely. Tell, tell us the story. So I'll, I'll, I'll do an abridged version of it, but the long and the short of it is I started in private practice and then I ended up in the government in an in-house position. A lot of fun. Eventually I went back into private practice. And at that point I had started posting on social media kind of in a biz devy kind of way, right? Like your traditional articles and publications and things of that nature providing value to whoever it's really a reason to be honest with you. But eventually I kind of got tired and I started posting things that irked me as a practitioner of the law and irked me as a millennial and irked me as, you know, someone living in the day and now. And people liked it. People enjoyed it, especially lawyers, because they're like, yeah, no, 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 I'm I'm there. I feel that. So I ended up Doing a lot of that, just mostly on LinkedIn, because every other platform scared me. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, this is a lot. <laughs> LinkedIn seems like very calm, casual. So I went from LinkedIn to a couple other platforms. And in doing so, I ended up going to a different firm. I went in-house as a director of legal and risk management. And at that point, I had built up such a presence on social media. Not to say it's super big, but I mean, 
it was enough where I had a real community. I had a community of lawyers and legal professionals and uh, Law Trades was like, hey, do you want to come in and help us create this function and end up in this amorphous role? And in doing so, continue to build your community and help build ours. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's do that. Yeah. yeah. What was it that was frustrating you about the practice? Sure. So there's like there's a couple of things. I think at its core, it's probably the perfectionism, right? Um, that was something... I think actually it's probably two things in that same regard. It's the perfectionism and then not admitting that no one's perfect, not being okay with not being perfect. So, you know, it's, it's almost like the reality of like, you could try to be as perfect as you can be. It's just, it's, it's this unachievable goal. I call it a mirage in the desert. And, um, I think as lawyers and, 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 you know, folks that practice within the law or adjacent to the law, we're always told it has to be at a certain level. It has to be this perfection. And it drives us nuts. It drives us crazy, right? And I, I mean that both jokingly, but I also mean it seriously. I think it does take a toll on our mental health. And that's something I, I talk about pretty heavily is there's good enough, there's great, there's efficient, there's fantastic work product, but there's not perfect. Perfect doesn't exist. So that was something I, I like to talk about quite a bit with my community and the legal community at large. Did it surprise you to build this community of like-minded people on social media, LinkedIn, and other other platforms? So weird. It didn't sound like that's what your goal was. No, it, was, it caught me off guard because it was early. It was um, so I started posting on LinkedIn before COVID, and a lot of people that like really post online, like really post, saw like a big jump because of COVID because everyone was online and we were craving community. We were craving this. Let's have a conversation, especially in the legal community where. I don't know if you're, I mean, you remember the courts were closed and no one was doing it, especially as a litigator, no one was doing anything. You're just sitting at your desk, you're nervous because you're not hitting your hours. You're nervous that you're going to continue to have a job because the work is more or less slowing down. You're nervous because you don't want to get sick and everything going on outside and people crave community. So I started posting and I all of a sudden people were like, yeah, you know, I agree with what you're saying. I find what you're saying amusing, funny. I, I appreciate what you're saying. And that wasn't the intention. It was me more or less just like screaming into the, into the abyss. Right. And then someone screamed back. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I, it's oh, not, okay. it's not an echo. It's another person. That's what I thought. I was like, I was like, wow, my voice sounds really strange. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, so I didn't, I didn't anticipate it and it, it happened. It definitely like that. So it led you to be approached by law trades. Now talk to us about law trades. Describe what law trades does. So law trades, let me put on my sales hat. This is another part of the amorphous role that I have to like, I'm putting on real quick. I'm not a salesperson, so it's more in jest, but Law Trades is a legal tech company that provides flexible on-demand legal talent to busy in-house legal departments and law firms. So think like classic marketplace, think like an Uber or Instacart or what have you. And on two sides of this marketplace, you have one, you have the talent, which is lawyers, paralegals, legal operations professionals, contract managers, compliance specialists, the list goes on, right? Uh, and then the other side, you have these law firms and these in-house departments, and it varies on what they need, right? So like an in-house department may say, uh, I need somebody to come in as an employment specialist, an in-house employment specialist, but only I only have 10 hours a week worth of work or 20 hours a week worth of work. And they'll pay whatever the rate is. And for a freelance attorney, the rate is great because if you, you know that's it's consistent 10, 20 hours or whatever the work is, and um, you can kind of do whatever you want to do on the other side. If you if you're starting a law firm, that's great. If you're doing something completely different, we have people that are starting startups like while doing the legal work to keep the lights on. Uh, and then for law firms, 
it's helpful because it's almost like an of counsel model where you may need help in a certain type of practice area. You need help in a certain kind of jurisdiction. Well, you could bring on this person and they can help you whenever the work is. And you don't, you're not in the situation where you're like, Oh, I don't have enough hours to sustain that person. They're, they're just uh they're their own person. They're, they're, they're a contractor. So if you've got 40 hours worth of work, that's great. If you got 10, that's good too. So that's, that's in a nutshell, that's law trades. So one of the one of the differentiating parts is your app, which I, I've seen described as sort of the Uber for law firms. Yeah, I think that's fair. Tell us about that. Sure. So it, it is. It, I think it's like a combination of that and then kind of like LinkedIn. So our app. So if you go on to it, let's say you're an in-house attorney, you go on there and you post whatever the role is. On the other side, it looks obviously different for the talent. When the talent goes on there, like an attorney, a paralegal, legal operations person, they can put their time in through it. They can search through jobs through it, and they have their own platform, like their own portal, like um, like a link, again, like LinkedIn. So they have their picture, they've got a bio, they've got they can show themselves in a different way than if they were trying to bring in work um, as an individual, right? So as a uh, like an in-house attorney looking for someone, when they're sent that profile, when they get that profile through the app. They're seeing a whole different side of a person. They're seeing like a LinkedIn profile, right? So in that profile, like you can actually be like, oh, this attorney, I, I appreciate their experience. Their experience is what I'm looking for. But it looks like, you know, this person, we may just get along. Like this person may be a great fit for my department because that's always a problem, right? Like trying to find the right person to mesh with the rest of the team. And it makes it a lot easier. So the app is definitely a differentiator. We're using a lot of tech, so things are a little bit cleaner, a little bit faster, less human touch. So that's the other thing too. So uh, I, I like that where I don't have to get involved. <laughs> it's a lot. Of, I can stay away from. <laughs> I can just create content. No, f- fair enough. You know, it's interesting. To me, the retention of lawyers has always been a very human connection. You know, you interview people, you talk to people. You get a you get a gut feel. Are they going to be a fit? You know, in your words, in the organization, how people receive this tech enablement component to the search for lawyers because qualifications and fit are so important in people's minds. Oh, absolutely! It's helpful. It's definitely helpful. I think what also is helpful is when they learn that other folks are using it. Right? It always takes one person to use it, and they have a great experience. And then others in that community, like in the tech space, is a great example where they're like, okay. We can, it adds a layer of trust. Now, that being said, uh, when you utilize the app and you see the qualifications that are presented, you see a little bit more, a more human touch from that individual, you also interview them as well. So you give them an interview, you can always say no, and that's definitely helpful. I don't think we're quite yet in the position, especially because right, we're in a professional services environment. Like it, I can't imagine a day yet. I say that with like the advent of AI technology, but I, I don't think we're there yet where there isn't a human interaction and it's not just a quick sign of a contract. Like there has to be an interview to really know that that person's the right fit. No, that's fair. That's fair enough. I mean, the description is the Uber of law firms is probably unfair because when you go on an Uber, you're looking for a ride. You're not interviewing. You're assigned a driver, but it sounds like this is not what's happening here. It's more, it's yes of a marketplace like Uber, but it's more, it's more human than that because of the nature of what is being done, because it's professional services. I think if it was, it would be different for Uber, right? Because you're, it's just a driver. You're just getting from A to B, where as you're hiring a lawyer, you're trying to figure out how to get to A to Z and then maybe to Q over there, maybe to six. Like it, it's definitely a much more complex and requires much more human interaction to know that it's the right fit. Fair enough. 
It's an interesting story behind Law Trades and the and the journey the company has been on. Because if if I if I read the materials correctly, it started out focused at startups before realizing the startups don't have any money <laughs> or, or don't or don't want to spend it on lawyers. That's more like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's fair. We started. Gosh, we started by uh, two gentlemen, um, Ashish and Rod. Awesome folks. They both went to law school, and I think they're they're much more entrepreneurial minded, probably than me, much more than me actually. And I think what their original design was almost like uh, Zocdoc, similar, right? Almost like a directory. And I think it did okay. And then they pivoted slightly to similar to our model, but to your point, like much more SMB focused, SMB startup, like um, SMB tech, and. You're right. People are paying on like a credit card or I mean, how many startups fail within the first, gosh, six months, 12 months. So it it wasn't very practical, but the thought was still there, right? We can help these companies that need to do more with less. I think that was really the mantra. We can help you do more with less. And over time, it came to make more sense that these companies had legal departments, right? That makes more sense. Like helping those folks do work on a fractional basis, getting them a fractional employment council, getting them a fractional uh, corporate contracts council is a good example and getting them in there. So you don't have to just, well, I remember being in this position, going to a CFO and saying, Hey, can I get some more budget? I need to hire a number of FTEs when you know that doesn't make sense right now. Especially, you know, this climate, this economic climate is probably very similar to what I'm uh, referencing. And, um, that's what happened. They pivoted completely to this model where we're much more servicing. I would make more sense probably like series A above. I think series A, you may have an attorney at that point. So like series A, series B. And um, we've been helping in-house departments and then obviously law firms do more with less ever since. So let's start with a couple of sort of events. One is the pandemic. How did the pandemic affect the business? Had It had to accelerate the business, yeah? Oh, yeah. So... During the pandemic, I think it scared everybody, right? It scared me and I wasn't even in tech. And I think a lot of these departments, you probably saw this too with litigation. Like we all, we all went to Zoom hearings. Everything became Zoom hearings. Well, the same thing for remote work. All remote work was on the rise. And a lot of these, especially tech companies, realized they're like, oh, I don't need someone in the Bay to do this work. Or I don't need somebody in New York to do this work. There's obviously licensure components for certain kinds of work. But by and large, you could be anywhere. You could really be anywhere. And for us, I think that greatly pushed forward this idea that just go on the app, put up your fractional work, whatever the work may be, and somebody in New Mexico uh, will be able to do that work. And they won't just be able to do that work. They'll do the work great. They'll do great work. And everyone benefits because the cost of living in New Mexico is greatly less than the Bay Area. And people started to really buy into that and it really pushed us forward. So, I mean, the pandemic... Horrible event, uh, but it did give rise to remote work, which we did benefit from. I'm curious, some, something you said triggered this, this question for me, which is, does the tech do any screening itself or is it all self-identification? So in other words, the question I'm asking is, you have fractional work for an I, IP lawyer. Does the tech screen people who are applying for work as IP lawyers to make sure that, in fact, they're qualified? Or is that up to the hiring people to do that's a fair question. So they identify themselves as IP attorneys. Obviously, we do their all the background checks and whatnot, but we have a talent team that vets the talent that gets on the platform. So once that person's been vetted, they've obviously identified, hey, my background, like there's identifiers on the app. Like it'll be like 
IP attorney, maybe corporate contracts attorney, maybe whatever it is. From there, technically, uh, the tech will ping those people because they have these identifiers and the right people that make sense for the job. So if it's, again, IP, I think is the perfect example. It's an IP-related role. It'll ping those people. It'll make sure those people are aware of that role and say, hey, do you, are you interested in this? Hey, does this make sense? So that that is what the app does. You're right. It's not like... It's not this like big boom to everybody. It, it will hit those um, the right people. Okay, it's not like Chat GPT that, that allegedly has this magic box that's going to get you the right answer for everything. <laughs> I, I saw someone on now. So first answer no. Second, I think I saw um, on Twitter. I think you'll get a laugh out of this. On Twitter, someone had said that a salesperson in their in their you know whatever company it was stopped sending things to legal. They were using Chat GPT to draft agreements. And oh, no. I, almost, I almost fainted when I read it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's the risk with ChatGPT, isn't it? It is. And it, it, and you don't think about it and you say, oh, you know, it can do these things and create these bones, which, by the way, I'm a huge proponent of AI. I think it's going to revolutionize the legal industry. But for this particular, you know, use, it, it doesn't know what the law, the, the law governing the agreement is. It doesn't know what provisions are legally enforceable, what's not. And it's... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it highlights one of the biggest risks with ChatGPT, and I'm a huge proponent of generative AI and the opportunities it brings. But one of the problems is the inter, the interface is so slick yeah. and so human that it is so easy, particularly for people who aren't trained as lawyers, to go, boy, this sounds persuasive to me. This must be right, you know? When in fact, it's, <laughs> it's like, like made-up case law. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like, sounds right to me. And they go off without, <laughs> without, without checking it. So let's move forward to today. It's an unsettled economic environment. I know you just gave a presentation on layoffs in the legal, legal market. Yeah. What was that talk about and how does the uncertainty of the economics impact law trades business? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, everyone sees it. You probably see it on LinkedIn is the best thing. That's why we did it on LinkedIn is because you see post after post. Hey, I was just laid off in XYZ Rift by this company. It's a reality that we're seeing across a number of industries, specifically in the tech industry, we're seeing just big layoffs. And normally it wouldn't be, you wouldn't get rid of legal. That wasn't generally part of the playbook, but now because you're seeing such tremendous amounts of like need to lay off folks, like you need to do these big rifts. We're not looking at that anymore. So legal is getting laid off. I saw um, a number of companies the last couple of days did lay off pieces of their legal department, you know, big players. So what we're seeing is this. As this happens, there's two groups of uh, individuals, at least that we believe are going to do really well in 2023. We think contractors will do really well because some of these bigger companies are still using continual workforce or still using part-time, almost full-time individuals because if you don't need that person anymore or you can't use that person anymore, it's very easy to say, hey, we're done. We're done to a contractor, right? As opposed to an FTE where there's a number of employment implications associated with it. So we think that's one. Also, the fractional work is just more palatable and it's cheaper. We also see law firms that can get flexible with fees. We do think that's going to be pretty big. And that's what the talk was talking about as well is law firms that can get flexible. Um, and then certain kinds of law we think is going to be pretty, I mean, I would say lucrative, like will we'll be a big practice area. We think commercial litigation will be pretty big, uh, especially if you can get very interesting with your fee, hybrids, flat fee, some sort of mix. That That's definitely something that... Um, we're going to see. So for law trades, we do think because of these uh, layoffs, we're seeing two different kinds of things. We're seeing an influx of tremendous talent, 
folks that are just top of their game, product counsel, IP counsel, M&A counsel, commercial contracts counsel, privacy folks that are just fantastic. We are seeing a lot of that flooding the market. And on the other side, we are seeing these companies that are utilizing contractors a little bit more because they have to, because the work isn't going away, just the bodies are. And so we are seeing this freelance contractor market do well. Um, and we do expect it to do pretty well in 2023. And um, especially with the flood of just tremendous talent. Right. What are the uh, what are the biggest challenges you face in Bill? You're, you're sort of, I won't say you're creating a market, but you're facilitating the growth of a market. What are the biggest challenges y'all face in, in sort of expanding into this novel way of sourcing lawyers and hiring lawyers? So <sighs> it's like an interview question. What are your greatest strengths and weaknesses? So the weaknesses, <laughs> what we're seeing, I, I think where we'll, we have trouble is still there are companies, we love talking about tech. And I love talking about tech because tech was very open to the remote work and still is. I think there are certain industries that are not yet on the same page and they don't appreciate that like you can get this unbelievable attorney or paralegal or legal operations professional or contract manager that lives, I'll use New Mexico as another example, lives in New Mexico and can do the work that they're asking for or is uh, in a different locality or just cannot get to the office or I'll stop there or can't get to the office. I mean, for me personally, I have childcare concerns. I've got a one, you, my son. So I've got a one year old. And you saw he's a bit of a handful. He's awesome. He's a little bit of a handful. So it, it's just so much more palatable for me to be able to do the work, which I can do well from, from my house. And the other thing is the fractional nature. People almost, I think they think it's too good to be true. They're like, what do you mean I can have an attorney for 10 hours a week or five hours a week or whatever? You know, like I don't, or 7.6 hours a week. Uh, I think that's another issue. So it's getting folks on the page like we've already done in certain other industries, which is like tech, finance, and healthcare. The other set of questions I have for you is the financing for law trades is not your traditional financing, if I understand it correctly. And I am not a finance guy, so I don't, I don't, Neither am I. <laughs> so I don't profess to understand it, but it talks about flexible capital. Can you tell us what that means? There, there is a, um, gosh, the company was a cap chase, I believe. Is a company. Cap we chase utilize, is the, yeah. We have to, we yeah. utilize cap chase for flexible, fi- flexible financing. They're a very cool company that, that facilitates startups. I want to speak more to it, but I'm afraid because I'm not a finance finance person either. Fair fair enough. I don't want to put you on the spot. (laughs) I want to though, but just that's the one thing I wanted. I I should have taken accounting for lawyers or finance for lawyers, but I was like, no, I'm going to be a political science (laughs) undergrad. Yeah, yeah, you. I was much the same way. But there really aren't that many jobs for political scientists. (laughs) You're preaching to the choir. You've had sort of a, what's historically would be a non-traditional path as a lawyer, which is becoming more and more normalized as we continue to evolve as a profession. But share your thoughts and what advice do you give people who are perhaps starting in, in practice and are dissatisfied with it and thinking about looking for opportunities outside traditional practice? What advice do you give them? Sure. I think it's finally opened, like the floodgates have opened as it relates to these legal adjacent roles. I keep talking about legal operations. I think I'm evangelizing the role at this point. I say, first things first, if you are just completely sick of practicing law or it's just not for you, look at legal operations. Those roles are new. Think of it like the COO of a legal department. 
or the COO of a law firm. And it's the one that can make sure things are moving smoothly, if not better than smoothly, just optimizing everything you can um, and controlling all the relevant tech and whatever you know makes the department or the law firm run. Take a look at that. That role is awesome. That role is growing. It's going to be really big over the next few years. And a lot of companies and law firms have taken notice and they're, they're really making sure that, and that role has a really cool tra- uh, trajectory. It ends up being, I think, like head of legal ops and maybe chief of staff or chief of staff legal. And it, it varies wherever you are. So that's the first thing I'll say. Second, in more of a general sense, don't be afraid to just look around. Don't be afraid. Don't feel like that weird, um, that's a fallacy, I, that I, the sunken cost fallacy. I, I've sunk all this time, this effort. I, I have to be a lawyer, but gosh, I'm just so unhappy. There are all these new roles out there, like I just mentioned, like legal ops. There are all these new roles out there, and just look. Just take a look. It, it's okay. It's okay. You didn't you didn't suck any costs. You didn't lose anything from your law degree or the practice of law. I use it every day. Now, how I use it is a little different than how I used to use it. <laughs> but you, yeah. But it's it, it, those roles are out there, and you can have fun, and you can still utilize what you've learned, and you can always go back if you're like, eh, I want to be a lawyer again. Go back. It's it's okay. In 2023, those kinds of moves are much more acceptable than they were, gosh, five, ten years ago. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, when I uh, when I came out, the career progression was a ladder, and it's just it's just not that anymore. It's more a lattice, you know, where you you can you can move from side to side, up and down, and backwards and around. It requires a certain amount of fearlessness, or being bold, or being curious. To take advantage of those opportunities like you've done. I appreciate it. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if it's bold or it might be for me. It might just be like not knowing what the implications are. I'm like, eh, let's just figure it out. <laughs> Recklessness. <laughs> well, I wouldn't advise people to be reckless. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. If, if you're listening, I mean, there's the paths have now been formed. I think that's a very fair point where you can lateral in all different directions and it exists. So. Do your research. It's real. You can get out and get back in whenever you need to. Absolutely. Now, we've only got a couple minutes left. You're also the host of a podcast. Yeah. Um, Not Billable. The Not Billable podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. What's been your experience being a podcaster? (laughs) It's fun. Um, It's it's funny because I can't take off the lawyer hat whenever I do it. So what it is, is Not Billable is a newsletter and a podcast. And the podcast is short snippets of three big stories. Technically, it's three big stories and two little stories, and we talk about legal news, and we kind of poke fun, we have fun with it, and we talk about it in a much more natural way. Now, when I talk about some of these stories, I'll be honest with you, I like, I'll like i still have a lawyer at, so if you hear me talk, I'll caveat myself at multiple points, and I'm like, you know, for liability <laughs> purposes, I can't make any assumptions here. <laughs> <laughs> Once a lawyer, always the lawyer, man. Always. Always, always, always. But uh, yeah, it's fun. It's definitely uh, it's a fun experience to talk about the news and in and, and a way that's presentable to everyone, not just lawyers. Yeah. Does that fit into your business of in law trades? Does it connect or is it just something you do as a side project that's fun? So it connects to law trades. I do have a personal one. It's not a podcast. It's a newsletter called uh, Point Two. And that's just more for like, that's actually me yelling into the darkness. Uh, or yelling into the abyss, <laughs> but uh, not billable is our media arm. So it's like um, our newsletter, our podcast, and I hope to grow it a little bit more. That's I guess that's a part of the amorphous role that is the head of community uh, into 
I think something that's fun for the community and fun for everybody and makes the law uh, that much more approachable. Absolutely. Where do you see law trades going in the next couple of years? What, what, are, what are the goals? What are the ambitions? I think I, I want it to go in two different directions. And I always talk about it like this because of the two sides of the marketplace. On the talent side, my personal dream, and I think we all kind of agree to it, is I want this to be something that if you're a lawyer that's looking to just be completely entrepreneurial or pivot or whatever you're trying to do, you get on this and we've started everything for you. We've started your effectively your, your little law firm, your micro law firm. Um, we've started it for you and we're going to help you flourish and that everyone is aware of it. And everyone's like, oh, you know, something, you know, I want to start on something my own. The first thought is, let's just go to law trades. Law trades, we can go through law trades. Um, and on the other side of it, I would love to be just a household name. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Uh, is to be known by all these in-house departments and they're like, oh, we need to surge up. We need to surge down. We need to do whatever we do. Just call law trades. Law trades can come in and, and assist and, and make sure that everything is done and do more with less. So that's what I'm hoping for is, is really at its core growth and, you know, a little bit more brand development, like brand, like everyone knows us and I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm right. working on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Matt, we, we're, we're out of time. I can't tell you how much I've appreciated the conversation. Law trades is an interesting concept. You're doing some cool stuff. We'll keep an eye on you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. Be sure to visit thepioneerpodcast.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform.